0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Draft is right around the corner, but we are at no shortage of news on this Friday morning. Welcome to the show, everybody. June the 16th It's Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. And now it seems as though... I probably should have held off. We did the Memphis Grizzlies on, what, Tuesday of this week? Probably should have waited until today because, indeed, the Ja Morant did, news did drop this morning. 25 games is the suspension for Ja for uh, brandishing what I think they all finally uh, or. I don't know, look, I'm not involved in the investigation on any of this stuff, but was certainly deemed to be a firearm in another Instagram Live video. And so he is out for roughly a third of the upcoming basketball season. Personally, I thought it was going to be about half a year. You knew after the eight last time that it was going to be a good deal bigger. I thought it would be five times bigger, and they went three. But... You're going to see a lot of folks, I think, on social media kind of splitting hairs about whether or not the punishment was big enough or small enough, or blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter what I think. Frankly, it doesn't matter what you think. What a great way to start a podcast. to Tell the listeners it doesn't matter what they think. But it doesn't. Any of us. It doesn't matter what we think it should be. This is what it is. And so often, this is not going to be the topic of today's show. We have the Golden State Warriors to break down uh, on today's program because... I'm, I'm almost catching up with sports ethos. We did five teams this week. I think they only did three, so we gained a little bit of ground. We're still three teams behind, but, you know, whatever. We're getting towards the final chunk here, and I think timing-wise it does line up relatively well for us to mostly finish up the team reviews going into free agency. But look, I want to get back to my show opening thoughts. Let me talk to you for a minute about why it doesn't matter what any of us think. I started it that way because that's kind of the in-your-face, get-your-attention way to frame it. But the reality of what I'm saying is the actual nuts and bolts of this, the meat, as the great Vince Scully used to say, a real meat-and-potatoes guy. Meat-and-potatoes guy. There we go. Got to get the inflection a little bit better. The meat-and-potatoes of this discussion is it doesn't matter what we think punishment should be or shouldn't be or whatever. What matters is How we react react as people, as society, whatever... To what it is. What is. I don't even need the it in there. Everybody gets so caught up in arguing about what might have been... Or why they're right or why the other person's wrong. And we so then also often... Forget to actually deal with the facts at hand. And this goes for like all facets of life. But in this particular case... I think you're going to see a whole bunch of that on the John Morant thing. And not nearly enough of what I hope we can do here in just a few minutes at the front end of this podcast, and that is, you know, the more I think about it, the more I feel like maybe we should just talk about the Memphis Grizzlies again today, but no, we got to get to the Warriors at some point. What does this mean for some of the Grizzlies players we talked about, including John Morant, Back on Tuesday. And if you missed that episode, we went through the players kind of the same way we usually do JJJ's massive, massive breakout year, Desmond Bain and the injury, Tyus Jones, Luke Kennard even down the stretch. Because remember, and you know, there's also a possibility we know Tyus Jones is getting shopped around because he's uh his contract is is a very tradable one as one of the best backup point guards in the NBA, and then now on an expiring deal this coming season. But do the Grizzlies have to rethink that now, with Ja gone for the first third of the year, or do they just go point guardless and say, all right, you know, Desmond Bain, I guess you're doing this, or do they draft a point guard? That feels like a dangerous play when a lot is hanging in the balance. Frankly, the team over-under for Memphis might hinge on whether or not they keep Tyus Jones- for the first third of the year. And then on top of that, let's remember, John Morant has been coming into seasons healthy and not suspended for the last couple of years. And he still tends to miss a good chunk of them. This is not a guy who's been, I mean, his rookie season, which was the COVID year. I know crazy times feels, feels like only yesterday. He played 67 out of roughly 72 games. The, uh, purposefully shortened season. He played 63 out of 72. But the last two seasons, he has not gotten close. Missed 25 games and then 21 each of the last two years. Kind of plays himself into injuries, which, again, when you're the high fly act that he is, that type of stuff happens. And sure, we talked on Tuesday about how he's kind of a points league darling, but hurts you in both percentages and turnovers. If he's coming into the season now with a maximum gameplay number of 57... There is a likelihood, and just like kind of extrapolate what's been going on the last couple of years, he's basically missed about 25%, actually a tiny bit more than that, but we'll just say 25% for argument's sake. He's missed about a quarter of the last couple of seasons while coming into the year healthy. So if we assume that he's healthy coming out of his suspension, he still could very well miss a quarter of his remaining fifty-seven ball games, which is just under 15. So now you're talking about basically missing half the year if that all shook out. Are the Grizzlies confident enough that John Morant misses less than a quarter of the remaining season to then move Tyus Jones? Or is this a a, we-gotta-rethink-our-position here, even though Jones might be our best trade asset, we actually need him if we're going to be able to avoid... You know, the bottom part of the Western Conference playoff picture. Avoid the play-in tournament this year. Without John Moran and without Tyus Jones, this is still a decent basketball team, but they're very much not the same. And attrition kicks in. What if somebody else got hurt during that stretch? Or do the Grizzlies look at this season kind of the way that I am right now, which is if Jaw's gone for the first 25 and probably another dozen the rest of the way... 10, 12, 14, whatever you want to call it. Are we confident enough in the rest of our guys to say, we don't need Tyus Jones for those 40 games, potentially, where he could be starting? 35, whatever. I, honestly, I don't care what number you flip in there. But that's a huge number. Do they think they can tread water in 35 games without Jaw and without Tyus Jones? Or... Do they say, okay, well, I know Tyus would net us a nice chunk of stuff here, as kind of our basically the lone expiring contract on this club. Besides Xavier Tillman, was it on a team option right now? I, I assume they picked it up. I they probably haven't had to make that discussion yet, that decision yet. Everybody else is on contract for a bit longer, team and player options and so forth. Tyus Jones is the only player on the roster that is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this coming season. He's the only one. I know, it's nuts. Everybody else on the roster either has an option or the contract just goes beyond that. The 2023 and 2024 Grizzlies will probably look pretty similar to one another. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. But what does that mean? You know, minus Tyus Jones here, I guess. If they don't trade Tyus Jones and the Grizzlies, like us, look at this thing and go, oof, like, we're going to need a good point guard for 35 games, and this is the guy... Or maybe they ride him for the first half of the year and then figure they can move him near the All-Star break. Maybe they don't get quite as much for a second half rental, but perhaps a team thinking we can get this guy and then re-sign him. Maybe that's the way they play this thing. Perhaps that's the direction this goes. This suspension for Jod doesn't take him through the All-Star break. He should be back by roughly Christmas, give or take. They could be a tiny bit before that, if I'm not mistaken. Like mid-December. Just grading out the number of games played in my head. Early mid-December. Say, oh well, you know, we'll we'll roll Tyus Jones out there and we'll move him in December or January or February at the at the deadline. That's an option too. You get a little bit less back, but still a decent haul on a really good player, and then maybe your need for a backup point guard isn't quite as severe in the second half. All that to say, I think that today. There's a bigger chance than there was yesterday that the Grizzlies try to milk something out of Tyus Jones at the beginning of this year. And as we talked about on Tuesday, dude was a top 50 point guard when he was filling in for John Morant. I got the question on Twitter, and it's actually a really, really good one. It was from uh, MJ, at Mang Mike on Twitter. Great question. How high of a pick? Do we invest in Tyus Jones for those 25 ballgames or 30 or whatever you think he might get as a starter as Jaws working himself back into game shape? That's a terrific question. Because after Jaw comes back, what do you end up doing with Tyus Jones? Well, there's one school of thought based on some of the ideas we're just flipping out there, is maybe you just hang on to him and hope that Jones gets traded after Jaw comes back. Stash him. So I actually think that you might be looking at a scenario where Tyus Jones gets 25 games basically a month and a half, a little bit more than that, almost 2 months, month and a half to 2 months of top 50 possibly fantasy value. That's massive. It's huge numbers. And then maybe what? Month and a half where he's not really playable in Games cap Roto, and even in head-to-head, you're like, oh, God, I can't. I'm going to ride this out for six weeks or whatever it turns out to be. (sighs) But then, what if he gets moved? Right at this very moment, Tyus Jones has multiple paths to fantasy value this year. Path number one, John Morant being out, maybe not being all the way fully healthy when he comes back little bumps and bruises and all that good stuff, and you know, even after the All-Star break, he squeezes in some spot starts. That's not the one you really want, but the good start to the year. The optimal one is, great start to the year, you get like 30 games out of him, roughly, as a starter, and then he has to sit on his hands for about 15, maybe 20, then he gets moved, and then you get another 20 games of him as a starter, somewhere else. A team that sees Tyus Jones as their point guard of the future. That'd be pretty sweet. Now you're talking 60, uh, 50-something games of that top 50 number. That's a guy you'd probably want to hang on to through most of the year. But again, coming back to uh, at MJ, or not at, at, it's at Meg Mike, it's MJ's question of what do you invest in that? Well, it kind of goes back to this discussion we were having on when... You're taking these shots in drafts. So what is a guy like that worth? What were the kind of players like this season that went, say, oh, I don't know. Look at look at maybe one of your more competitive leagues and look at the guys that were going around pick 95 to 100. What type of players were those? End of the eighth round, beginning of the ninth round. Still relatively decent. Cam Johnson was in there. Mitchell Robinson, Buddy Heel, Clint Capella. Kevin Porter Jr. was in there. Anyeka Okongwu. But it does peter out around 100, 105. These are the guys where you're like, okay, maybe this works. But if you could get a guy in that range, 105, where you're just like, oh, this dude is locked into top 50 value for the first two months of the season. That's a guy you probably take there. In almost any format. Maybe a bit more... Games cap Roto, because whatever they're doing at the beginning of the year lasts the entire season for you. Yes, obviously, in head-to-head. It helps you. It would help you win some weeks at the beginning of the year, but not in that same way where it just goes into the Roto bucket. So I would say you could consider it as early as, like, 95, beginning of the ninth round, even though you know that the second half of the season could be a mess, or maybe it pivots back into something nice again. But think about some of the players that went basically in your competitive leagues. Look at your competitive leagues and take like 105 on. How many of those guys were actually good all year? Okongwu took him a little while, but he got going. Uh, Andrew Wiggins was good before his uh, family stuff. Spencer Dinwiddie, Brooke Lopez, Nick Claxton. Yeah, I mean, there are names in there, but Kelly Olenek, Kelly Oubre, uh, what are we thinking, seven names out of like the next 40 players, <laughs> something like that, so hell yeah, I'd go get myself basically a locked in two months of superb value, hopefully that answers that question, went a little bit longer on the Grizzlies than I planned on, although I knew as soon as we started talking about this jaw stuff that uh... It might end up carrying us through a, a, a pretty good chunk of the show. But let's do the Warriors, and Man, I don't want to rush it, but we'll do the Warriors, and we'll move through them at, I don't know, call it a decent clip. Uh, Shout-out today, by the way, once again, to Manscaped. Ethos20 is the promo code, 20% off and free shipping on your order over at manscaped.com. Last couple of chances to go get something over there before I start to mock you for not doing it just get it now i know it'll come in a- slightly after father's day but it is the best thing you could do with so little effort isn't that the greatest gift of all to you the buyer of the gift is not having to worry that much about the gift of course ethos 20 20 off free shipping at manscaped.com we have a really funny partnership coming up through our uh, host provider you'll hear a uh You'll hear a canned advertisement from me that starts in about a week and a half. I cannot believe that this happened, but I decided we're going to do it because I thought it would be funny. Anyway, that doesn't start today. What starts today is our brief but always exhilarating look at the Golden State Warriors who have a player option on Draymond Green at $28 million, or he has a player option, I guess I should say. Will he exercise it? Sounds like the Warriors want to keep the band together, or they're already spending a fortune, so I don't know what good it does them to not keep the band together. question I guess they're asking themselves is, do we really have what it takes to beat the Lakers this year, who they lost to, the Nuggets, who the Lakers lost to? They probably worry less about the East, because you're like, look, if I can just get to the finals, then anything is possible. But that's that Western gauntlet... Warriors almost got stopped by the Kings, and it just it feels like they're going to get worse before they get better. Steph Curry is still incredible. Uh, his contract is beyond, beyond extremely large, but at least he's a guy that carries the ability with him to uh, bend a defense to basically whatever the hell they want him to do. Klay Thompson has $43 million on his deal this year. That's a nasty one that they're going to have to swallow. Andrew Wiggins has signed for a long, long while. And then they've got all these sort of peripheral guys. Kevon Looney, two more years. Gary Payton, one more with a player option after that. Jonathan Kaminga is a restricted free agent, I believe. No, team option here. Not yet. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, $5 million player option. I don't know what he's going to do. There. Jordan Poole is signed for a truckload. His big extension kicks in this season. That one, yowch. Uh, and then Jermichael Green is really the only other rotation player that's kind of coming off the books for them. So... It's not like they could blow it up, really. Even if they let Draymond walk, that saves them $28 million this coming year, at least. You know, again, they could re-sign him for a different thing. But what what does that mean for Draymond? It doesn't really feel like he fits on a lot of other teams besides this one. As a passing-only big man on offense, he's not going to do much offensively, defense still very good, Draymond's defense still excellent, but... It kind of only makes sense next to two of the best floor spacers the NBA has ever seen. So it feels like he'd probably want to come back. I know we we hear the Warriors are trying to move Jordan Poole, but I don't know how many people really want that contract right now. If he gets moved, Poole will probably have a giant season. But as things stand right now, Steph Curry was number six on a per-game basis, had an excellent season by all accounts, you know, there's every reason to think that maybe the numbers fluctuate a little bit for Steph, but he's kind of carrying this team these days. So, just you know, call that a wash. Hope that he plays more than two thirds of the season next year. Is he an early, early to mid first round pick? Of course, he's Steph, Andrew Wiggins, and Clay Thompson. They were number 63 and 65 this season. Wiggins uh, unfortunately missed 45 ball games this season. Uh, that stunk. His other stuff was actually really good. He was cruising along at a top 50 clip before the family stuff, and he just sort of never really got it back together. I'd be pretty worried about drafting Wiggins as early as he ended up this year, but if he falls back into that same kind of like 90 to 110 range, I would definitely th- take a shot on him there. Clay Thompson feels relatively repeatable 69 out of 82 ball games, relatively healthy, other than the rest days. He got going after a pretty damn slow start. He was more like, remember the beginning of the year, he was shooting about 37%, 38% first however many months of the year. I think it was like the first month and a half, something like that. Um, Clay's final 50 games, he was inside the top 50. Shot 44.5% over that stretch. 23.5 points, four and a half threes threes per game. Not many rebounds, not many assists. Again, he is one of those like very prototypical shooting guard fantasy stat set guys. Uh, where you know maybe maybe you could see the field goal percent tick up ever so slightly I just I don't know that he ever quite gets his legs underneath him the way that he used to have so assume for clay I don't know if he probably gets underdrafted a little bit because of the rest days that always happens to these guys but on the roto side we'll give you a ton of threes and he doesn't completely obliterate your field goal percent so you know... Probably more to like on Clay than people are going to give him credit for. Would I draft him at 50? No. Would I take him at 65 or 70? Yeah, I definitely would. Draymond, second half of this season, he was a kind of 85 range guy. Over the entire season, he was right around the edge of the top 100. Uh, The assists a bit lower, steals and blocks a bit lower. He's just a guy that's sort of in that phase of his career. Um... And deserves, I think, to be drafted outside the top 100. And then Kevon Looney had that fantastic playoff run. And every time we see it, we're like, "Oh, can he, can he translate this into something during the regular season?" And every year, it's like, "Oh no, he just sort of ended up as Kevon Looney again." Second half of this year, he was right on the edge of the top 100. it was a number 102 over his final 40 games. He ex- extraordinarily durable. Had a few more steals and blocks than before. His minutes were a little bit higher. At about 25 per ball game, Draymond missed a little bit of time in there. So, you know, <laughs> would I draft Kevon Looney? I don't think that you need to. He's very much built in that Ivica Zubats uh, mold of like, oh, this is a big man who, when everything's breaking right, can get me to like 95 That's not particularly exciting. When you're taking guys at the end of a draft, you're looking for dudes that can give you a a burst of upside, and he's not really that. And unless we see something change from Matt, like if Draymond Green is gone, then obviously you re-look at a guy like Devon Looney. Jordan Poole, is there any bounce back at him? I mean, dude still took 15 shots per game second half of the year, averaged 20 points per game second half of the year, uh shot horribly the first half of the season at about 40 41 percent so you're looking at pool and you're really just asking yourself can the field goal percent come back at all because the previous season he actually averaged only 18 and a half points and was top 65 because his free throws were at almost 93 uh field goal percent was at 45. And then you get to this year, and you're like, well, none of this makes sense to me. He's scoring more points per game. The assists are better. Uh, the free throws were lower, so they weren't quite as large of a positive. But there is a weird little pathway for Jordan Poole to not be a complete mess, and it's to shoot 45 instead of 43%. So if you think that that number comes back, if maybe just having an offseason to not have to think about getting socked in the grill by Draymond Green, if you think some of that stuff rebounds for Poole, or frankly, if he gets moved somewhere... He'd be a guy that I think you target as kind of a a little bit of a post type dude. This was kind of the hype year coming off a good previous season. He didn't live up to it. Now you're in a little bit of that post type Because the big difference for him, going from 65 to 145, 9-cat rank, was the field goal percent being lower and the turnovers being higher. Free throw stuff with, with Poole, like, he's an outstanding foul shooter. Is he inside his own head a little bit? Why did it come down from, you know, 92 to 87? Does that really matter? The answer is yeah, it does, you know, from hyper, hyper elite to uh, positive impact. That's a big deal. But his other stuff was largely better, you know? Scoring was better. Steals and blocks were the same. Rebounds a little bit lower. Assists were basically the same. Threes were basically the same. 2 percentage points field goal, 5 percentage points free throw, and 0.6 turnovers. The three points league categories all got slightly worse for Poole. And it's reasonable to look at those and go, you know, those could just bounce back about as easily as they bounced down. So would I take a shot on Jordan Poole? I would. Would I take a shot on Poole where he might get drafted this coming year? Uh you know, he he let a lot of people down, but there's still that whole points league thing. The fact that he well, you know, the free throws are good, the field goal is bad, they kinda cancel each other out. The turnovers, obviously eight cat he's better than nine cat. So he'll probably still get drafted at kind of a reasonable spot. When I say reasonable, I mean like higher than expected. But he was going at like sixty this year, and I don't think he I don't think he goes inside the top eighty in nine cat this season. Unless he gets moved to a team where you're like, oh, he's going to be a featured guy. Then he'll go higher again. But if he's still on the Warriors on Fantasy Draft Night, he probably is a late 7th, maybe early 8th kind of dude. And I would consider it there. Even in Roto, where he's got some categories that might hurt you a little bit. You guys know I don't like points. But again, if this is the type of guy that's bouncing around back there, where there is... The pathway. The free throw comes back. The field goal comes back. Like if he's scoring 20 points per game and the efficiency bounces back for him, he can leap 80 spots. It's crazy the way that works. But these guys are also bunched together in there. Uh, I don't think I want anything to do with Dante Divincenzo, and that's pretty much where you're at with the Warriors right now. No, I'm not. Not really looking at the young guys. So uh, Steph, you know, you're, you're praying for health. Wiggins. Probably an okay shot on draft day, provided he does fall into that, you know, 90 beyond range like usual. Clay, probably a safe draft day play in the sort of 65 to 75 range if he gets to that far. I think he will. I think he falls past 60. Draymond, eh, he'll go at 80 or 90, and he probably should go deeper than that. People have fallen in love with a Draymond that doesn't really exist anymore. Poole is your take a wild blinding shot type of dude. And then Kevon Looney is the guy where if you're in like a 14, 15 round draft and you're like, you know what? I just like, if my second center was a long shot or was a was a, a risk and I need one to back it up in case that one doesn't work. Okay. I'll take this guy. That's going to average seven and 10 with 0.8 steals and half a block and 63% shooting. And I'll just, you know, ride his durability this year. Which, by the way, makes a lot more sense in head-to-head than in Roto, but whatever. Okay. We managed to get through the Warriors at a pretty decent clip, which, uh, yeah, maybe we could have gone into a little bit more detail on those dudes if we didn't have all the jaw stuff to talk about. I want to think more about the Morant thing over the weekend. Um, you're going to see more stuff come out about what the Grizzlies are trying to do. You're going to get the sources that are like, oh, they're going to try to do this now, they're going to try to do that. Um... There's a there's a different list. There's like a suspended list versus an injured list. So maybe they could sign like a, uh, I don't know, if Chris, is Chris Dunn, did he sign a multi-year deal wherever that was in Utah at the end of this season? Like someone like that could come in and just fill an opening if they do move on from Tyus Jones. There's just so much that's hanging right now for Memphis that we might know more of in six days. Or maybe we know more about it closer to free agency. Mm, 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 mm wild wild times are these grizzlies a team that was on the rise now has a lot hanging in the balance you know what would be really useful right now d anthony melton wonder what he's doing these days start the dream sequence from saved by the bell here little pink outline around the podcast this is where i this is where i stop and we have a dream sequence um all right, have a great weekend, everybody. Next week, we're talking draft stuff. We'll uh, get some of our Sports Ethos draft experts on the show, and they're going to lecture me on what I should care about. Should be fun. I get to be the uh nothing. I'm just going to sit here and ask questions because you guys know me. I don't know squat. I do know they're almost all going to get overdrafted. That's why we're going to talk about the guys that perhaps might not. Get David. We'll get uh, William on the show. I know we got a couple of the names out there that I'm forgetting. Try to talk to Corbin a little bit. Should be a fun week where uh, Dano gets to dial my effort lever level on uh, yelling into a microphone down to just coming up with some good questions. You know my questions are going to be, can this person produce fantasy value if I'm not punting something? Nope, yanked my headphones out of my ears. Don't care. We're finishing the show anyway. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. I have completely lost track of how many weeks we've done through the offseason, but I do know that we're in mid-June. Uh, and in uh, two and a half months, we will be in September. So I'm just going to say that. We're two and a half months away from really exciting fantasy basketball stuff. But we got a whole bunch of things in between there. We got another uh, six or seven teams to go over. We got draft stuff. We got free agency. We'll be in mid-July before you know it, and that's when we're really going to have to hunker down. We'll uh, do some shows on my own mental well-being in in mid-July. Maybe I'll even talk about Summer League if I get bored enough. Ah, well. Manscaped.com. Go check them out. Uh, Again, Ethos20 is the code over there. And uh, there go the headphones to the floor. You can hear them rattle. That's like... I don't know if you guys remember the Ladies... Did you guys see the Ladies' Man movie? I'm I'm sure many of you remember the character from Saturday Night Live, the Ladies' Man, played by Tim Meadows. But in the movie, there's a sequence where he says, Well, my glass of Covartier is half empty, which means it's time for me to go. Well, for me, my headphones have been accidentally yanked out of my ear, which means it's time for me to go. Until Monday, everyone, we will talk to you then.